Hey, what's up, homies? Welcome back to the Homies Real Estate Podcast. This is your host, Anthony. And I'm Angel. I'm a realtor. I'm a lender. And hopefully together, we can give you a pretty good idea of what's happening in the real estate market and give you some good advice and some tips. So today, we got a good one for you. We're going to go over the ins and outs of purchasing a home. With that said, let's go ahead and let's jump right in. So, Angel, yes, we sir. have a first-time homebuyer's guide on our website at thelovenosgroup.com. And it's 15 steps to purchase your first home. The first step that we have is saving for a down payment. So I have a couple questions for you. Yes. Do you need to put 20% down to purchase a home? Absolutely not. Not even close to 20% down. A lot, a lot less than that. Sometimes, depending on the program, there's even down payment assistance programs that require nothing down. Gotcha. So... Quickly run us through some of these programs. I, I am familiar with the FHA. I'm familiar with conventional, familiar with the VA. Uh, what's the down payment requirement for some of these programs? So conventional, if you're a first-time home buyer, you can do as little as 3% down. Um, and then there's also 5% down, 10% down, 20% down for conventional. And then FHA is 3.5% down minimum. And then for VA, 0% down. And then, of course, like I said, there's different down payment assistance programs such as CalHAFA, GSFA, Chinoa that will help you with the down payment. Gotcha. So if you're a first time home buyer, you don't need to put 20% down, right? So you can put down as little as 0%, 3.5% for the FHA, mm-hmm. uh, conventional 3%, and then exactly. there are some down payment assistance programs. For the VA, that's 0% as well, correct? Exactly, 0%. Gotcha. So number the first step is to start saving for your down payment. The second step is to check your credit score and make sure to evaluate it constantly. So what credit score are you looking at, Angel, when qualifying? So for an FHA, pre-COVID, you could do 580. Uh, and But most banks right now are requiring a minimum of 620. And I think there's even some banks that still require a 640 right now because of COVID. Um, but to be 100% honest, where it makes the most sense and benefits you as a buyer is when you have a credit score of at least 620. So even if they do allow 580 again, it really where it makes sense interest interest rate wise would be at least a 620. Gotcha. And then what does that credit look like if you're going to VA, for instance? Is, is there a requirement? So VA, you're good, 620. VA and FHA work similar when it comes to credit. It's 620 is where you would like to be for as far as getting a good interest rate. Um, that, that would be that would be the sweet spot right there. Gotcha. And then touching on that credit score, uh, what what is the bank going to be looking at when they look at your credit score? They're going to be looking at your debts that are tied to your credit score, credit utilization rate. Tell me a little bit about this. Well, we look at, there's three bureaus, TransUnion, Equifax, and Experian. We look at all three credit bureaus and the bank, what they do is they look at the middle score. So to give you a quick example, let's say your TransUnion score is 672, your Equifax score is 655, and then your Experian score is 661. We would look at the middle score, which in this case is 655. The bank uses that score when you're qualifying. If you have a co-borrower or multiple co-borrowers, we look at all the middle scores of each, each individual and we take the lower one. The bank always wants to mitigate the risk when they're lending out such large amounts. So they take that that lower credit score. So it's very critical that every single one of you guys that are applying for a loan have at least a 620 credit score. Gotcha, that makes absolute sense. 
Um, so we touched on the down payment, touched on the credit score required. Now let's go into you know evaluating what a comfortable monthly payment is because that's going to be really important. You don't want to purchase a home and you're overextended. It's really, really tough for you to make the payment month after month. So uh, from your opinion, Angel, what is a comfortable monthly payment for a person? Is there like a, a debt to income ratio that the bank is looking at? How do, how do how as a buyer am I able to evaluate what that would be for me? Uh, definitely. So depending on the program you use, uh, FHA and VA are similar. They have something that's referred to as the housing expense ratio, which means taking your gross monthly income and multiplying it by 46.99%. Um, that's going to let you know the maximum monthly payment you could qualify for with these programs. You cannot exceed that amount. It's just they don't they don't allow it, right? Um, and then they also have a debt to income ratio on an FHA and VA loan, which means that along with your mortgage payment, we include your other debts such as car payments, um, credit card payments, and usually the FHA and VA they don't allow you to exceed fifty six point nine nine percent, right? Um, so again, you would take your gross income, multiply it by 56.99%, and that will tell you, with including your mortgage payment and the rest of your debts, that's the amount of monthly debt you could have, right? Um, and then for, for a conventional loan, they just look at the debt to income ratio. They don't look at a housing expense ratio. So for housing expense ratio, it is 49.99%. So... If you guys follow me on Instagram at Your Mortgage Angel, I did do just a quick little breakdown of the housing expense ratio, and I believe I posted the debt to income ratio as well, just to kind of give you numbers on how that works. I know it sounds kind of crazy just just saying the numbers. So if you want to look at an example of that, feel free to follow my Instagram or check out my Instagram, and it will show you a quick breakdown of that. That's a good that's a good idea. Um, remember that's at Your Mortgage Angel. So you mentioned that uh, FHA and the VA have a different standard than conventional so for the right. fha and va you have the potential to qualify for more mm -hmm. right exactly than a conventional so for a lot of first-time home buyers you know qualifying for a home is one of the harder parts of purchasing a home so yeah. that's why for a lot of first-time home buyers it probably makes more sense to go with the fha mm -hmm. because you can qualify for more mm -hmm. in most circumstances mm -hmm. the credit score required to get a good interest rate is only 620 plus and um the down payment is only 3.5 percent down Correct. whereas conventional they're looking more at your credit score they're looking more at your housing expense ratio right of um, oh, what is for, it? for debt to income ratio for debt, conventional that's an income ratio 50 percent right about 50 percent right yeah 50 percent as opposed to 56.9 percent 56.9 percent for fha so if you have a good credit score if you have good credit score um you have very little debts I mean, you have the money to do 5% down conventional. That's going to make more, most likely make more sense for you because you don't, you could qualify for the maximum payment. Your mortgage insurance will be a little cheaper as well on a conventional loan. And then um, you're obviously putting a higher down payment so you could qualify for more, right? Um, but every scenario is different. You always have to run the numbers, see, see where each payment comes out to. But usually when someone's looking at either 3.5% FHA and then 5% conventional, they usually do qualify just for just a little bit more doing the 5% down. Um, but also you do have to put a much larger down payment, 1.5% more, which doesn't seem like much. But on a $500,000 home, that's $7,500 that you have to bring more to the table. So 
It, there's there's a pros and cons to each each scenario. Gotcha. And since we're touching on which mortgage option to pick, which is the fourth step on our first time home buyers guide on our website, mm-hmm. um, let's touch a little bit about the closing costs associated with each loan. Mm-hmm. So if you go FHA, I always tell clients to save for six percent of the purchase price. So if mm-hmm. a home is five hundred thousand dollars that they want to purchase FHA, mm-hmm. about six percent is thirty thousand dollars because it's going to be about three point five percent down, seventeen thousand five hundred. At another two and a half percent for closing costs, so about twelve thousand five hundred for closing costs. Um, it's going to be mm-hmm. a little bit less than that. That's what yep. we've seen, but it's always good just to round up so to give yourself a little bit of space, just in case you need that to you know furnish the home or whatever it would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does that closing cost look like if you go five percent conventional? If you go VA, it's all the same. Mm-hmm. Closing cost is pretty much all the same all around because at the end of the day, what closing cost is is going to be escrow fees title fees, banking fees, those three don't change with the program. They're all the same. Um, it's also going to be for your reserves and prepaids. And again, that doesn't change with the program. So it's usually, again, about two to two and a half percent of the purchase price. Um, the only thing that really changes for um, between each, between a conventional loan and a VA loan, excuse me, an FHA loan is the, uh, what's it called? The appraisal. Appraisal is just about, it's only $50 more, but for a VA, for excuse me, an FHA appraisal compared to a conventional. Okay. Or at least that is how that's how it is in my bank. I'm not sure how every bank is, but it's a very slight difference. That's the only thing I can think that's different on the closing cost. Gotcha. So all in all, it doesn't matter which loan you pick. Just aim for two and a half percent for closing costs. That way you have yourself a little bit of a wiggle room just in case, you know, it. Um, just in case it costs more than what you expect, right? Exactly. So, uh, okay, that's good to know. So the fifth step on our first time home buyer's guide is to get pre-approved. So, Angel, walk us through what a pre-approval would look like. So a borrower, whoever's getting qualified, um, the client would bring six documents, ID, social security card, uh, one month of pay stubs, two last months of bank statements, your last two years of W, or your last two years of W-2s, and your last two years of tax returns. Um, First thing we do is we run your credit. We need to see where that credit score is, if you even do qualify for a program. If you don't, we help you, you know, we try to do our best. We're not credit experts, but try our best to help you get to where you need to be, right? Um, and then once we get you where you need to be, once you're at, you know, the 620 mark, or if you have a 700 credit score, 720, then we can analyze the different loan options that are available to you based off of your credit score. Then after that, after looking at your credit, we'll go ahead and look at your, your debt, and then uh, on your credit score, excuse me, it's going to show you, you know, if you have a car loan, if you have a credit cards open, um, school loans, personal loans, all those things, we're going to be able to see on your credit report. Um, and then from there, we analyze your income to see what's your gross monthly income. And that's when it comes back into we get those debt to income ratios to see how much you qualify for and, and what's that monthly payment, what's the maximum monthly payment you can afford. Gotcha. And then you're going to show them multiple scenarios, right? Like here's what you would qualify for FHA, mm-hmm. here's what you would qualify conventional, and this is why this this scenario probably mm-hmm. makes more sense for you, correct? Uh, yeah, I mean, it all depends, because again, we have to look at the bank statements. If if you have only about $30,000 that you can work with, you're most likely gonna wanna go FHA if you're looking for a home of about 500,000, right? Um, and if your credit score is about under 680, we're gonna stick to FHA. So it just depends, we, look, we, an- we have to analyze everything to see what truly makes the most sense for you. 
Um, but if it does make sense to look at both options, then of course, you know, we lay it out, we lay out the options for you. Our job is just to give you the options and you tell us what you want to do. We take it from there. Gotcha. So the sixth step in our first time home buyers guide is to find the right agent to work with. So this is really a step that doesn't have to be necessarily as a sixth step. You can, it can be the first step, right? If there's someone that you really trust, someone that you feel represents you right, then they can absolutely walk you through the, walk you through this. Um, it happens all the time with some of my clients, right? So this is really important. When finding the right agent to work with you, there's a couple of things that you wanna keep in mind. You want someone that is knowledgeable, you want someone that has uh, availability and is willing to work with you because as as a buyer, you're going to have questions at all times, right? So it's really, really important. You're also going to want to have an agent that can work well with your lender because it's really going to be a team when we enter escrow. It's the lender, the realtor, you as the buyer, and then uh our escrow officer are really all going to try to work together to make sure that we close escrow in the smoothest way possible so it's really important that you pick a realtor that's going to be available and can really walk you through everything that's probably the two most important things availability and knowledgeable um angel do you have any questions about you know finding the right agent to work with um no questions but it's just that importance again of looking for that realtor the ones that are going to be available to you um, whenever you need something, right? I mean, I'm not saying call them at nine, at nine o'clock at night, but, you know, if you need them Monday through Sunday, you, can, yeah, you know that you can send them a text, give them a call. They're going to get back to you. Remember, um, your realtor and then me as a lender, we work for you. We, we, you. we are here to help you and you got you hired us to help you with this process. So please feel free to reach out to us. That's what we're here to do. So if you feel like your realtor is not giving you the time of day, then maybe it's time to evaluate that situation and see if it's best to go with another realtor. And I think Anthony's spot on with working with um, the realtor's preferred lender or someone that they know, um, because it is a team effort once we're in escrow. We wanna make sure that we can communicate everything, say if something's going, you know, and it does happen, something goes wrong in escrow or something that needs to get fixed. It's much easier to tell Anthony, who not only is my brother, but a realtor that I work with all the time, compared to a brand new realtor that I never worked with, you know, you, you always want to try to keep everything smooth sailing. So to have that, um, what's it called, 100% communication, move, you know, that's going to help move escrow a lot easier. Absolutely. And then I, I didn't touch on this, but it's pretty obvious. You want to make sure that you have someone that 100% has your best interests in mind, right? Uh, unfortunately, there are some agents out there that are looking out for themselves more than for their clients. And it's it's the unfortunate thing. We're always gonna have some bad apples out there. So you wanna make sure that you you vet your realtor properly to make sure that they have your best interests in mind. Um, so let's go ahead and move on to the seventh step of our first time home buyer's guide. Excuse me, I just wanna go back real quick too. One thing I will say about realtors too right now, or just in general with the market, be patient. The market's crazy and I feel like sometimes the clients want to blame their realtor for it. And it's just a little, it's just a crazy market right now. So if your realtor is out there with you every weekend, showing you homes, trying to do all they can, submitting offers, just be patient with them. It's just a competitive time right now to get in a home. So, you know, don't take it out on them or don't think that they're not doing their job. 
Um, it's just right now is a competitive market and it is extremely hard, no matter how experienced you are as a realtor, to get an offer accepted. Thank you, Angel, for that. Appreciate that. Um, so let's go ahead and move on to the seventh step of our first time home buyer's guide, and that's to find the right criteria that you're looking for in a home. So this is really going to determine on what you get pre-approved for, right? You don't want to start setting criteria and then you get pre-approved for an amount that you didn't expect it and now you need to reset your criteria. So, you know, once you get pre-approved, once you have your lender in place, the next step is to set the criteria so that your lender can create the search for you. So uh, let's just run a quick scenario. Someone gets pre-qualified for $600,000. For $600,000, you can absolutely purchase a home in the area here, in the Downey and surrounding area. Um, but you're going to be... It's going to be hard for you to find a home that's four plus bedrooms in this area just because the way the market is right now so you're going to have to set some realistic expectations and that's where the realtor is going to help you out with it's going to be like hey given your pre-approval amount i think it makes sense for you to explore three plus bedrooms two plus bathrooms in uh some of the nearby cities not necessarily down because down is a little bit more expensive at the moment and they'll walk you through or they'll make suggestions as well for you know other places that are a little bit more affordable like hey you know if we move to the west inland empire and i know it's a little bit further but it's more affordable out there you'll be able to find what you're looking for you can even find a four plus bedroom there for the for the price you're looking for so uh, making sure that you set the right criteria is really really important uh is there anything that you want to touch on that angel no i i agree i think as home buyers obviously everyone wants their perfect home but especially with right now with low inventory, it's a little hard in general. And then, but when the market's back to how it usually is, you know, I think just just in general, being open to, you know, finding a home that doesn't have absolutely everything. If you find a home that has absolutely everything, you know, you're just a very lucky person because it's, it's very hard <laughs> to, to do that. You know, I, I know that especially when there's a husband and wife involved, the husband wants something and the wife wants something, you know, you know um, so compromise is probably going to have to happen, right? Rather, if you, you know, compromise location, compromise the big backyard land, um, man cave, whatever the case may be, things that are most likely going to have to be compromised. Gotcha. So what you're going to want to do, you know, once you have your set criteria is give that criteria to your realtor, the price, bedroom count, bathroom count, areas, uh, square footage, whatever you think that you're looking for in a home and then they'll create a saved search for you on the MLS and then you'll start to receive those search, those homes as soon as they hit the market. This is very, very critical uh, just because the market is really competitive right now. So you need to notify your realtor as soon as you see a home that hits the market. Uh, next thing on our list is number eight, to review your MLS portal for homes you want to see. So briefly touched on it earlier. Right now, this real estate market is really competitive and homes that have been on the market for at least four days, chances are they have multiple offers by now if they're priced correctly. So you want to make sure that you're on your portal every day or almost every other day. If a home pops up that you want to see, notify your realtor as soon as possible so we can schedule a showing. A lot of the times these homes get get booked up like days, like days out. So we won't, be, we won't even be able to show the home. So that's why it's important that you're on top of this and looking at your portal every single day. And a, a tip that I really, really recommend for buyers is to look at homes that hit the market on a weekday. Let's just say Monday or Tuesday. Those homes are going to be a little bit less competitive and you might be able to put that home into escrow before the weekend comes. Because if it goes into the weekend, 
chances are there's going to be you know 10 15 20 plus showings on the weekend it's going to be a lot more competitive no, i definitely agree with that the sooner you, the, the sooner you see the home when it hits the market it's going to be a better position for you guys absolutely uh so the next step number nine is to go out with your realtor and see some homes so this is important right you need to see the home before you make an offer on it a lot of the time sellers won't even let you make blind offers a blind offer means that you're making an offer on the home without seeing it uh if you're looking for a multi-unit property so a duplex triplex fourplex a lot of the times some of the tenants aren't uh, cooperative with the sellers so those are properties that you might need to make offers subject to interior inspection or blind offers subject to interior inspection means that uh, you can't see the property until your offer is accepted once the offer is accepted, you can see the property and for some reason you don't like the condition of the home or whatever it would be, you can cancel escrow. It's just an extra step. Um, so yeah, that's number nine. I, is there anything you want to touch on going out to see homes with your realtor, Angel? No, I mean, again, just make sure you have a realtor that's going to be willing to show you when, when you want to be see, when you want to sh see a home, right? So make sure that uh, there's a realtor that is available to you and is willing to put in that work. Gotcha. Uh, so number 10 is going to open houses open house sounds like such a historic and ancient word right now we haven't had open houses in over a year <laughs> but uh, i we made this first time home buyers guide you no know, about a year and a half ago and open houses were alive and well back then and they're gonna come back and open houses are a tremendous way for you to see homes uh if when you don't really expect to see a home, right? So like, hey, I didn't schedule a home with a realtor, but they're having an open house uh, with my realtor, but they're having an open house. I'm gonna just drop by real quick and check it out. So it's take advantage of open houses. It's a really, really good idea. A lot of the times when you go to open houses, the listing agent's gonna be there. Maybe some of the neighbors are gonna be there. And it's a great time for you to start asking some questions because they're gonna be more knowledgeable about the area. So it's a great opportunity to not just see the home, but to communicate with people that are a part of that community as well. Do you have any questions about the open houses, Angel? Um, you hit everything. Open houses are great, especially, uh, you said, unexpected. It doesn't hurt to, you know, if you have the time, a couple minutes of your day, maybe you find the home of your dreams. It help. It happens a lot more than you think. So I definitely would recommend that. Gotcha. So the 11th step to our home buyer's guide is making an offer. So making an offer can be complex sometimes. This is, this is where your realtor and your lender really have to work hand in hand with you to make sure that we write the best possible offer for you, right? So this is where I, we emphasized earlier that it's really important that uh, everyone works as a team and that there's uh, great com communication all the way around. So when writing an offer, you know, most realtors are recommended that they contact the listing agent to see if there's any other offers. And if there is other offers, then at that point, we're gonna to have to write a more competitive offer, right? In this market right now, homes are selling faster than ever. There's more offers on homes than ever. So you're gonna to have to go with your highest and best out of the gate. Whereas in previous markets, you can kind of give yourself a little bit of wiggle room, maybe try to negotiate a little bit more, but it's a little bit tougher in this market right now. Angel, you want to touch on it real quick? Um, I think just to go back into that, making an offer and the, the the key of having that relationship with the realtor and lender. So to kind of put it into perspective of why it's important. Um, so when you make an offer, there's going to be three contingencies. One's going to be a home inspection contingency. 
an appraisal contingency and the loan contingency. Your lender's in charge of getting that appraisal contingency done and the home and the excuse me, the loan approval contingency, loan contingency um, done, right? Making sure they meet it in those timely manners. If you have a relationship, if a realtor has a relationship with your lender and their lender tells them, I can get that done in 10 days, 12 days, they have that trust already that that's going to be done, that that's not going to be an issue. When your realtor's working with the lender, he doesn't know, he just has to take them for, you know, word of word of mouth, like, or excuse me, uh, what's that called? Um, take them for their uh, take them for the word basically right yeah. so yeah take them for the word that it's going to get done but you know it might not and if something does happen where those contingencies aren't met then there could be an issue later right so that's where that transparency and that honesty between realtor and lender is key when especially right now in this market to make sure that you do meet those shorter contingency periods that are most likely going to happen if you get your offer accepted right now Absolutely. And Angel nailed it on the, on the dot right there. So a lot of the times with our offers, uh, we get countered back and they tell us, hey, we're looking for someone that's willing to do, you know, a 14 day appraisal, 17 day loan contingency. Uh, to give you an idea, typical standard contingencies, 17 days for inspection, 17 days for appraisal, 21 days for loan. So they're asking us to shorten each about three, four days. So I would just contact Angel before I make the offer. And I'm like, hey, Angel, they countered us this. You think we can make this work? And he will let me know, yeah, I've been working with your client. He submitted all the documents. We got everything rocked and rolling. We should be able to close in that time. So, or get loan approval in that time. So I was like, all right, sounds good. So then I contact the, uh, my client. I'm like, hey, I think we can make this work. You want to sign on the dotted line? And pretty much, boom, we move into uh, escrow. We accept the offer. So that kind of touches on uh, the 12th step, which is accepting the offer, right? So um, quickly, when you send an offer in, chances are you're gonna get a counter very, very infrequently, or very, yeah, very infrequently will your offer get accepted. So you're gonna get either a counter offer if it's just you getting countered or a multiple counter offer, right? If you get a counter offer, that's great because that just means that you're pretty much negotiating directly with the sellers on your own. Whereas if you get a multiple counter offer, there's multiple parties involved and now everyone's bidding on that same home. Right now in this market, it's multiple counter offers. Everyone's getting the counter and you're you kind of have to try to outbid the rest of the counters or agree to the terms that sellers are asking for, right? But that's something to keep in mind when you send an offer. So if you get a multiple counter offer, hey, I gotta be a little bit more aggressive. If you get a counter offer, hey, I have a little bit of wiggle room here to negotiate for some terms or better pricing. Um, so let's go ahead and move to the 13th step. Congratulations, you're in escrow. First things first, let's order that home inspection. As I mentioned before, the typical contingency period for inspections is 17 days. Um, that could be negotiated down, but let's just stick with 17 days for now. So you have 17 days to do all the inspections you want on the property to make sure that you're purchasing what you thought you're purchasing, right? You wanna make sure that you know as much, as, as much about the property as you can possibly know. A home inspection is by far the number one thing you should do. It's a general home inspection the home inspector is gonna walk through every part of the home and just analyze it and tell you, hey, I think there's issues here with the plumbing or I think the roof needs some, some additional work or whatever it would be. And then he'll send you a report. What that report will do is it's not only gonna give you ammo so that you can give to the sellers and be like, hey, look, this the home inspection reported that we need a new roof or we needed this and that. And then you can ask for repairs from the sellers, but it, they're also gonna to recommend to you to get a professional that 
works in that specified field. So let's just say, for instance, it's plumbing that the that the home inspection, the home inspector said that might need some work and an additional evaluation. So you order, you know, a plumbing inspector, he goes and does, you know, a main line inspection and he checks the plumbing's good, right? Or you can you, you can hire, you know, a roof inspector to check the condition of the roof, maybe get you a quote for how much it would cost to fix it. Uh, it's just really important. And I 100% recommend doing a home inspection regardless if the property is sold as is. Right now in this market, sellers are saying, hey, you know what, we're not gonna do any repairs. If you accept this offer, the property is sold as is. You need to take the property as is. So is there a point in doing a home inspection if I'm just gonna take the property as is? Yes, absolutely, because what if there's foundational issues? What if there's huge issues that are underlying the structure of the home and that's gonna cost you know, 15, 20, $25,000 and you as a buyer are gonna take on that responsibility? I would, as, I would, as a realtor, tell my buyer, hey, you know what? There's gonna be you know, some pretty big costs coming up. Like, do you have that money out of pocket to cover those costs? If not, then it might just make sense to cancel escrow and move on to the next home because this is a this is a lot of liability for you to take on. So super important that you take advantage of your home inspections. Remember, you can do multiple inspections, not just a general home inspector, uh, home inspection. Angel, wanna touch on that real quick? Yeah, I got any stress it is extremely important. It's not even, it's not a requirement. Home inspection is not a requirement, but it is 100%. I think every realtor would recommend a home inspection and you know, don't tell your uncle or Ann or Theo or Tia that, that works in construction or something <laughs> to do that. Make sure you hire a professional that does everything right, that checks everything, every little detail. They're gonna call out everything, even if it's not an issue, they're gonna they're gonna say yes if it is an issue. Cool. So I wanna move on to the next step, right? The next step is after you're done with the inspections, the next most important step is getting the loan docs and getting them all signing over, right? So, you know. After the home inspections, it's pretty much smooth sailing, right? Once you negotiate with the sellers, ask for your repairs and stuff like that. So the next possible step, the next step is gonna be getting your loan docs signed and, and moving into, and I guess pretty much finalizing the deal. So Angel, I want you to touch on the loan doc situation, the CDs and everything mm -hmm. like that. So when we enter escrow, there's something called initial disclosures. Those are just the disclosures stating that you, are, that you have to sign. Those usually aren't any not final numbers by any means. It's just you as a as a as the borrower. Excuse me. You as you as the borrower are telling the bank that you allow you're you're allowing the bank basically to process your loan, right? So once those are signed, then we the bank starts working on your loan. Everything appraisal gets ordered. Your documents get reviewed. Then we submit it to get approval. Once it gets approved, then we can go ahead and or actually excuse me. I mean to back up. If you lock your interest rate, right? If you do lock your interest rate before approval or after approval, there's gonna be something referred to as the loan estimate. The loan estimate's gonna go out and you're gonna sign it. It's basically acknowledging that you've locked your interest rate. And then after that, after the approval is done, assuming the loan estimate has also been completed, we can order what's referred to as the closing disclosure. The closing disclosure is pretty much gonna almost be exactly the same as the final loan documents. They do differentiate a little bit sometimes with the numbers, but you're gonna get a really good idea as to how much money you're gonna need to be coming in. Your monthly payment on there is pretty much not gonna change. It's staying the same, interest rate, everything's, you're gonna have a good idea of everything there. Once you sign the closing disclosure, we have to wait at least three days to order the final loan documents, right? Or not not to order, but to have to sign, right? So after you sign the closing disclosure, 
we can go ahead and order the final loan documents, assuming that we have the final approval on your loan. There's nothing else that the bank's gonna, any conditions that the bank's gonna require you to meet. Everything has been met. Then we go ahead and order that final loan approval. And then, excuse me, that fi the final loan documents. So say if you sign on Monday, you would be able to sign your final loan documents on a Thursday. And then once those are signed, it takes about two days, two business days to fund your loan. And then after that, it'll record and you'll be a homeowner. Absolutely. So that takes us to our 15th step. And that's to celebrate because you're a homeowner and you finally did it. Homeownership is the American dream for many. It takes a lot of time to get yourself in that position. So you got to make sure to celebrate. Um, I always tell Angel, hey, you know, when when we get back to normal, we, we can finally start to see people again. Um, by all means, have a housewarming party. Invite your lender. Invite your realtor. We want to celebrate with you because it was a journey, not just for yourself, but for us. And it makes us really happy when we finally get to see our clients in their home. And we always, as at least me as a realtor and Angel as a lender, we always check in with our clients to make sure there's anything we can do on, uh, once they're secured in their home because there's always going to be questions, mm -hmm. right? And don't ever hesitate to ask your lender or your realtor questions even after the, the sale is done, even if it's like a year or two years out, right? Um, you're, there's always going to be a question that's going to come up and that's where we're here to help you out with. I agree. I actually love when clients reach out, past clients, with, with any questions. You know, that's what we're always... We're always here for you guys after you guys close you know i have a client that's always texting me about some this or that and i i love it i just love to hear from them let them you know love to know i can help them out and that and just let them know that they made the right choice by choosing me and let them know that i'm always going to be there for them if they have any questions absolutely so i hope this gives you a pretty good idea of the ins and outs of buying a home we kind of bunched it all into a 30-minute podcast is obviously more that we can dissect in the future but uh, this should give you a general idea um, i want to thank you all for joining the podcast here angel do you have any last words um no i think it was a really good podcast a lot of information it might seem a little overwhelming but once you are going through the process we break down every step and at a time so i don't want that to seem a little too overwhelming for anybody it's a lot easier than than you guys probably think absolutely so again i want to thank you homies for joining us with that said have a great week and take care and stay safe. Thank you guys. Have a good one. Hey, homies, it's Anthony. This podcast contains my opinions and is for educational purposes only. It does not guarantee any projections and should not serve as a basis for any purchase or sale in real estate.